and welcome to this special series of Start Somewhere for COP26, the climate emergency. And today I am just thrilled to be joined by the amazing Jesper Broden, who is the president and CEO of Inca Group. Good morning. How are you, Jesper? Good morning. Thanks for that introduction. It's uh, Yeah, it's an exciting time. I'm here live at uh, COP um, in Glasgow, uh, which is, of course, one of the important moments, I think, for humankind to come together and, uh, yeah, great progress when it comes to what is probably the biggest challenge for all of us, climate change. Yes, yes, absolutely. And yes, but as you know, I always start this podcast by by kind of asking, how, how did you start somewhere? Like, where did you grow up? Were you always passionate about, about nature and regeneration? Love to, to hear a bit about that. Well, you know, I'm um, so I'm basically uh, born and grown up on the Swedish West Coast. Um, always had, uh, since childhood, I think, the pleasure of being uh, part of the ocean sailing has been part of my uh, um, growing up uh, and the appreciation for nature of course was there then i think um, joining ikea back in 1995 many years ago um, i actually started didn't start in sweden i started as responsible for the um, purchasing activities in in karachi pakistan no, that was a big step for me personally. Wow. <laughs> yeah that was uh, I found out later I was the only one who applied for the job, so that's how I started out right here. And, um, and but interesting enough, I ended up in. Uh, of course, for me, it was a huge uh, step um, culturally, business-wise, new company. But the, at the first moment, I was exposed to you can say amazing business opportunities, but at the same time, challenges around both um, working conditions, environmental aspects, and so on. Um, uh, uh, not as bad as many would like to think, but there were, were, were several topics that basically we as a company at that time uh, didn't have a point of view on. Uh, like uh, in the 90s, being a medium large uh, company, IKEA, the question was basically, do we, does the values and the vision that we uh, hold dear, is that valid only for us? Um, or is it also valid for people in our value chain? And I think that was the first time I was exposed to if you like, being part of purpose. I discovered a company that uh, was more than just selling things or making a, uh, an owner rich, so to say, but, uh, but really discovering that the vision of IKEA to create a better everyday life for, for the money was actually true and that the values were uh, uh, running deep with people in the company. And then again, uh, at the exposure of becoming truly global, um, we, we had to uh, face ourselves and... and um, make important decisions, um, which led us actually back back then to develop what I think still is one of the most phenomenal code of conduct when it comes to production, uh, both addressing people and planetary um, uh, issues. Um, it took us about 10 years to get it in place, um, but it's uh, a robust and solid uh, proof that uh, doing good business and being a good business is actually a very good idea. And yes, but I mean, you know, I, I'd love to know. You know, because IKEA is 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 you know got many stakeholders, and you know, how do you kind of get them involved? You know, in 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 creating and driving this purpose forward, it'd be really really interesting to to know a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, I think um, first of all, I think since uh, forever, I think we've been uh, believers in that business partnership is, uh, of course, you you need to to share a business model and uh, drive a win-win from a business model perspective. But since long, I think we believe in uh, sharing values. 
as one of the foundations for long-term relationships. And IKEA is throughout the value chain, the different parts of the IKEA network is, is known, I think, for long-term relations. For instance, in the purchasing side of IKEA, where I used to spend uh, uh, many years of my uh, career, uh, the, the average relations is uh, way more than 10 years. And so, so there is something about the long-termness also in that. Um, and that can only be achieved if you uh, share certain values. You help each other through the tough times and you celebrate the good times. Um, so by being close to people uh, that we collaborate with, both um, upstream and downstream, I think uh, we have uh, created a solid ground of, uh, of um, sharing values and sharing a purpose. Yeah, which, which is something I think a, a lot of other retailers have, have been accused of forgetting at, at sometimes, which is why I, th I think you are um, extraordinary what you do. And, and also, I mean, like we hear these amazing stories coming out of Ikea, whether it's, it's it kind of stray dogs spending their night in Ikea, uh, whether it's, you know, Ikea, um, you know, giving people jobs in refugee camps. Um, you know, it, 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 it's quite extraordinary. I'd love, love to hear a kind of bit about, about, you know, I don't know, your employees and where those initiatives come from, because they, they are breathtaking. Well, you, you know, it's one of the interesting things um, uh, among several, I would say, is that we are, as a company, Inkholding is basically uh, owned by a foundation. And the only way the foundation can uh, spend money is through the IKEA Foundation, which is uh, for um, charitable purposes. Uh, so in a way, it's it's highly, of course, motivational for us, uh, under 70,000 people in the company, that when we have a good year and when we pay dividends, we know that that money is going to do a lot of good. Uh, so the um, <clears throat> in a way, you can say the, the uh, Jordan story is a very, I think it's a lovely story uh, uh, worth telling also, because uh, what actually happened was during the Syrian conflict, uh, the refugees that uh, headed towards Jordan uh, were of course in desperate needs uh, from a human humanitarian po point of view, and uh, IKEA Foundation was one of the first ones to step in mm -hmm. and uh, support setting up uh, uh, camps. Um, at the second stage, we were then called upon uh, to help create the opportunities uh, for job opportunities, basically for the, in particular for the women in the camps, um, both from an income perspective, but also to create dignity and a sense of purpose for them. So I think that the, the range of products that uh, today exist in IKEA's uh, uh, stores, um, uh, where part of them is then produced by the 400 women in Jordan, is I think one of the uh, truly good examples on that we can tie into different issues in society and then actually play a part uh, from um, the most needing and all the way how we basically uh, contribute to, to moving up the ladder, if you like. Yeah. 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 And, and yes, but I mean, you, you know, you talked about giving dignity to women. I mean, like, why is the inclusion of women and underrepresented minorities at the decision making table so important? Well, you know, we, we are, um, it comes back to the, the vision of IKEA again, to be for um, everybody. And um, as such, uh, it becomes natural for us to, to um, be believers in equality and believing that we need to reflect and represent society wherever we are. And the easiest from a logic point of view is, of course, gender, because that's, that's very close to 50-50, wherever you would measure it in the world. Um, so the, I think the firm decision was taken back in 2001 uh, to, to ensure that we, throughout the company, to start with, um, 
ensure uh, we have 50-50 on all levels. Um, and it uh, it took us a couple of years to, to 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 make that happen. But today we are proud that we are uh, at 50-50 actually in general representation. Even if we ourselves see areas where we might be more or less both male or female in certain categories and so on. So, you know, it's not that we are done um, in any way. But I would say there are two real important aspects. One is um, fairness. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. And the second thing is it also makes business sense. Uh, IKEA today with the gender balance has to double the amount of talent to choose from. So why wouldn't we? Right. Right. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Like, if, for those that don't. And, and also, as, as we, you know, we know by the many studies, I mean, you know, gender balance companies perform better. So I, I'm always a bit like, I don't understand. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to find an argument. Why not? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, yes, but you're in the business of, of, of retail. I mean, you're, you're a global company. And, you know, there is... You know, we're in an era where, where really we've all got too much stuff. Well, we have in the developed world. Let's put it that way. Um, talk to me a little bit about, about you know, what IKEA does to promote responsible consumption. This is an incredibly important and uh, very relevant uh, question here and now. Interesting enough, when you when you look at the actually, I think your question is uh, almost a little bit ahead of time. Um, <laughs> so, if you look at the COP uh, meeting now, uh, rightly so, we are placing the focus at the shifting energy system, uh, transportation systems, um, and agriculture. But I think still we are talking too too little about consumption and building the consumption model of the future. And there are some interesting myths around that. Some people would argue that we should consume less and that we should stop consuming even. But, you know, as much as we in IKEA support uh, prolonging the lifetime of our products through investments in quality, making it easier to assemble and disassemble products and many, many more activities where we also have data that we are successful, <clears throat> that is only part of the problem. The core of, of the issue sits that we as humanity will consume, whether it's uh, food, whether it's the basic necessities of, of home, and there I must say also, when it comes to IKEA, we are not thriving from overconsumption or, or luxury. We are, our customers uh, are among the people that have the thinnest wallets um, and they're looking for beds, uh, kitchens, uh, chairs to sit in and so yeah. forth. Uh, so it's, it's really the necessities of, of life. Um, but here's the thing with it. We need to uh, fast engineer a model where consumption at the root of it is actually sustainable. Yes. And it is uh, entirely possible, and we have so many examples in IKEA and other companies too. So basically, the, the equation is uh, you, you need to make sure that uh, consumption is based on either renewable material or recycled. Yes. And then, of course, that the uh, basically throughout your value chain that you uh, fuel the energy should be from renewable, whether it's production or transport or retailing, so to say. And we are on a good track. Um, in some cases, even over-delivering to, to some of those targets. Um, and in some cases, then continuing the strive to, by 2030, uh, become climate positive. And as such, um, uh, just as a small example, I think uh, one of the recent uh, cool things we have done is we just recently opened our fourth uh, reverse production plant in the Netherlands, um, wow. where we are not only taking back IKEA's share of mattresses, but actually have the capacity now to take back every mattress in the uh, Netherlands. Wow. Um, and if you think about it, um, if we talk about 1.5 million mattresses 
in a in a country in a small country like Netherlands only that would end up in incineration unless we do something about it. And we we are uh, really going for that, <laughs> getting that uh, because basically the the uh, the need of that raw material is important for us to to fuel into creating new products. So I think we have just one of the cases proven that it's not only an idea, but it's actually a reality and a smart reality from a cost perspective uh, to build circular flows. Yes, yes, absolutely. But that's I, I never realized there were so many many, many mattresses in the Netherlands. That is astonishing. Goodness, <laughs> I imagine the global statistic is is is, is just incredible <laughs> when you look at that. It is, and you can say even if we would prolong, uh, which we are doing, prolong the life length uh, of a mattress, there will still be millions and millions and millions of mattresses out there that we need to deal with. So again, um, addressing sustainable consumption is um, one of the topics that we need to talk much more about uh, as we're constructing a climate positive uh, society. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and yes, but I very much hope that you'll be there leading that, that conversation at COP. As I, well, I know you will be, so uh, which is fantastic. And I mean, yes, but we've got lots of people kind of listening to this podcast who are like, but, you know, it's, it's you know, what can I do to start somewhere? You know, this problem mm. is overwhelming. It's huge. Like, what, what can I personally do to, to start somewhere to, you know, to, to, to stop climate change? It's a beautiful question. And I think, um, uh, uh, you know, I not only think I know that each one of us sit with that question. What can I do? What can my family do? Um, in what way can we, being a, a small part of it, um, actually create an impact? Um, and we know from our recent statistics also that more than, you know, more than 70% of the world population with very little variance from country to country um, are deeply concerned about climate change. Um, so more than 70%, and at the same time, only 6% uh, recognize solutions or see themselves being part of a solution. So to your question, there is a huge gap in society that is almost dangerous uh, with the frustration and possibly mm. cynicism that that can drive. Um, so I think, you know, first of all, I would, I would say to all of us, I said, you are responsible. Obviously, your government is responsible. Obviously, IKEA and Inca as a, as a corporate large corporation is massively responsible and should be held accountable for the plans and the transparency in sharing both goals and um, progress. But I think uh, the starting point is for all of us to assume our, our share in it. And here's the good news. If all of us, um, uh, uh, you know, we don't necessarily have to do everything, but if all of us start to take measures in our uh, in our uh, lifestyle and uh, definitely in our homes, together the the contribution will be massive. Yeah. So we are we are recently actually launching, rolling out, uh, starting now and um, the coming weeks before Christmas to all our stores what we call a sustainable living shop, where we basically collected uh, solutions for energy, water, waste, and beyond battery chargers uh, instead of throwing away LED lighting instead of uh, incandescent um, mm -hmm. food savers, um, water, uh, water saving filters and functions on taps and so forth. Uh, and so we are promoting that and inviting uh, you and each one of us to actually be part of it. Um, and the, uh, of course, the good news is that we will also save money uh, because mm -hmm. uh, unlike some of the myths out there, most of the areas when it comes to climate smart, is equal to resource smart and is also equal therefore to cost smart. So, so I think IKEA at 
this point, um, definitely is one of the providers of solutions that we, we all of us uh, can take part of. Which is great. And, and, and you can save money and save the planet. I mean, that sounds Absolutely. like a great deal to me, Jesper. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if it would, would be opposite, then it would be tricky. But I think it's one of the uh, most important messages from us is that uh, combine climate smart and the climate positivity that we are engineering our way towards with being economically smart. If we put it against each other, it will at least take uh, too long time. So we need to resolve uh, climate change through smart economic measures. And that involves, of course, our own wallets and our own behaviors in life at home. Well, I mean, yes, but I, I mean, the news coming out of IKEA never ceases to amaze me. I mean, that is just wonderful. And I love it. Like when, <laughs> Glad to hear. <laughs> you know, when, 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 when most retailers are kind of gearing up for kind of Christmas shopping, there are you doing sustainable living shops. I, 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 I mean, it's just wonderful. And, and of course, you did you something very similar with, with Black Friday, where you turn that on its head too, and, and it kind of reinvented it as Green Friday. Absolutely wonderful. And and yes, but can I, I you know wish you the best of luck at, at, at COP because I, I know that you're you're speaking and, and many CEOs and businesses and governments want to hear from you because you you know IKEA really and Inca Group, it really is a leading light in this space and, and, and one to emulate. So, you know, thank you for, for flying the flag and, and taking this all <laughs> so seriously. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the encouragement. Uh, this is It's a privilege to be part of, um, you know, leading change in a responsible way in these uh, times. And I think, again, as we, we have the insight, I think we'll be sitting on it as a company and uh, as a community is that uh, silence is probably the worst enemy to all of us. So, you know, showing up uh, both with uh, great intentions, uh, great plans, but most of all, with the actions that we take, including the mistakes that we, we are doing, I think is one of the most important things, yes. uh, not only to provide hope, but actually to be responsible. Yeah, yes, but thank you so much. And if people want to kind of find out more about what, what you're, you know, you're doing as a group, do, do they go to the website? Absolutely. So we, we basically, we are... Um, uh, you can say the full report of uh, where we stand from a sustainability is part of our annual report. So we have included all sorts of uh, ESE standards into our uh, total reporting. And then I think um, you can find at any given moment, you can uh, just search on the web and you will see how we are uh, not only engineering uh, and planning uh, people and planet positive, but also the deliveries that we are uh, uh, making. So it's, it's open for anyone who's interested. Fantastic. As, as, and as we know, your transparency is one of those things that you know, people get very frustrated about, you know, <laughs> that, that they can't see. But with IKEA, it is transparent and there for everyone to see. Jesper, thank you so much. It's been such a, a, an absolute privilege and a pleasure to talk to you today. And I know that you, you need to run away <laughs> because <laughs> you've, you've, got, you've got another meeting starting very shortly. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot for the opportunity and uh, good luck next week as well. Thank you. Thank you very much. And wow, I mean, isn't Jesper just one of the most extraordinary and inspiring people you, you've ever heard from? And, and, and he is just such a leading light. And we need more CEOs like him who are really championing real action or, you know, for the planet and for people. Just, just amazing. And tomorrow's guests are, are two very special women. They're both dear friends and they are the co-founders 
of an extraordinary movement called She Changes Climate, who are campaigning for 50-50 vision uh, across the board, in in, in boards across the country, and in COP representation, because as you will have noticed, certainly the COP teams, and, and even when we've seen all those photographs of the world leaders getting together at COP, they are pretty much uh, all men, uh, and we need to change that. So my very special guests tomorrow are Bianca Pitt and Antoinette Vermilion.